Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Maloof and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. And as always, I'm joined by my Five Minutes co-host, Matt Maloof. Matt, how's it going? I'm going well, Barbara. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Good week. Good week. It's been an amazing week and I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm super excited because someone I've been following for quite a long time uh, has been actually an inspiration to me in building Virtual Angel Hub and how to manage virtual teams, which is actually not as easy as people think, is our guest on the show today. And that is Dan Norris, who is co-founder of WP Curve. And not only is Dan a very passionate entrepreneur with huge obsession with content marketing and everything digital, um, he's also running a, you know, a big virtual team and with 30 people at the moment in the Philippines and a co-founder who lives um, in the US. So a truly global virtual team. So Dan, welcome to the show. We're really excited to get chatting with you. Well, I'm excited too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good. So look, just to kick off, do you want to just give us a quick background, I guess, into how you ended up with such a big team of virtual um, staff? Where did it all start for you? Right. So uh, two years ago, I just sent an email to my list and asked them if they wanted uh, ongoing WordPress support. And I made the offer of unlimited small fixes each month for $70 a month. Mm. And um, at the time, I had one developer in the Philippines, Andrew, who was a really, really good developer. And he'd he'd worked on a lot of stuff with me and I really didn't want to lose him. Um, And and actually, the other thing I said was 24-7 too. So it was unlimited small jobs 24-7. And I only had one guy in the Philippines, which is the same time zone as me. Ah. And I had a bunch of people say yes to it. And so I, just, I was like doing it on my phone at night time. Um, so I knew like straight away I was going to have to hire people. Or what ended up happening was I found a co-founder in the US to manage that side of the world, which, which made things a lot easier. But yeah, I, and I'm also not a, not a WordPress developer. So I was always, always going to have to hire people. I never would have worked without doing that. So that was probably a good position to be in. But yes, since then, we had, I think we had 10 people sign up in the first week and we've had about that many every week since, in the two years since. And we're up to around eight or 900 customers now and I think 40 people in seven countries. Wow, um, that's and, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely amazing. And with, when you started out, did you, um, I mean, obviously this kind of came out of nowhere for you then. You sent an email to your list and there was demand and before you know it, you're in business. Sounds a bit like that. Uh, yeah, except I'd been in business for nine years prior to that. I mean, in this business, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's so, yeah, my first book, The Seven Day Startup, was was about the story of how I started WP Curve and um, how to give people a framework to sort of do the same thing because I learned that it, it was much more useful to launch something quickly than it was to, you know, think about something for months and months and, and debate it before you actually learn what was going to happen after you launched and a lot of people thought it was going to be a bad idea to do the unlimited and, you know, how is it going to work 24-7, all those sort of things. But once I launched, I figured that those problems were relatively easy to solve. And Did you know? So, yeah, it happened quite quickly. But it, it, the backstory is it took me uh, um, 2013. So it was seven years before that I was an, an entrepreneur, which 
who failed every single year before that. <laughs> All right, okay. And what about with the 24-7 thing? I mean, did you know how you were going to fulfill on that before you offered it? Uh, yes, I knew I was going to go to bed with a live chat app in my next to my head. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> For as long as it took to um, find someone in uh, somewhere overseas where I could afford to hire someone to manage that side of the world. But um, as it turned out, I, I, I met Alex, who's, who became a co-founder and, and managed that side of the world. So it, my job was a lot easier, although I also had to give away um, a big chunk, like half of the company. Um, but yeah, it, it worked out well because I really, I was just like, I'm just going to launch this thing. I was going to have to get a job. I was starting to look for jobs. I was desperate. So I really had no idea how any of it was going to work. Um, but as it turned out, most of the problems we had just kind of solved themselves or or we figured out ways to solve them. And, and finding a co-founder in the US was definitely not something I planned, but uh, it was a big, big bonus at the time. And how did you find him? He found me through my blog, my content. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And like, was he a WordPress guy? Was he a developer or was he just an nope. entrepreneur? Yeah. No, he's a, he was just a sort of a someone who manages teams. Actually, he's probably, probably useful for you to talk to because he does more of the hands-on kind of you know, managing the performance of the team kind of stuff. I don't do a whole lot of that. I just got yeah. pretty good at hiring people, finding people um, and kind of threw them in the deep end and, and if they didn't work, replace them. <laughs> but oh, it's not quite as simple as that. But he's, he's more hands-on. I'm more systems. Right, okay, okay, yeah. And obviously with... I'm a developer. I mean, I can, I, I'm a glorified developer. I know how to code pretty badly and, and I can solve problems if I really have to, but he's, he's not technical at all. Well, what I'm interested to know, and before we're going to move into some uh, key tips from you in a second, but I'm really keen to know, you know, if you, you were a developer, as you said, well, you knew a bit of developing, um, you were an entrepreneur, but in terms of managing people, had you ever done that before? Because that's another. Um, well, I do. I do have a HR degree, ah, and, okay. and I started out, uh, which you know is was is pretty much useless, really. I don't. I don't know if that taught me anything about managing people. But I did. I, I worked for the government. I had a couple of people working for me there. Um, Andrew and the remote. I had a, a remote team of three or four people with my agency before that, and I had a small team of local people, three or four people in my office. So yeah, I'd, I'd managed people before. I mean, I don't think I'm particularly good at it. Um, and it's not not something I really love doing. Like I like working with people, but I like working with people who don't need to be managed. I think Alex is something someone who really likes managing people. Uh, for me, I just I just like getting shit done, and so uh, it's probably good that we got a balance of having Alex there who can do more touchy feely stuff, and I can just sort of focus on the systems and and getting the work done. Yeah. Right. Okay. And what about? Um, did you bring Alex in? Was he in pretty early in the piece, or were there any issues like the early early days? How how big were the issues before you had him involved with managing people? No, he was very early. I can't remember how early, but it was. I think it, you know I'd launched it. I'd written a blog post about the fact that this thing, you know, had sort of started to take off, and I'd started to kind of tell that story about my last business failing and this one. Know, launching it quickly and we started doing monthly reports so I was getting a lot of attention and traction with that content and he he was reading that and it was it was only a matter of months I think after I launched that he came on maybe not even months maybe maybe five or six weeks I can't exactly remember wow yeah sorry Matt I've totally taken over the conversation no, here. totally but okay I'm sure you've got a ton of questions for Dan too I do Dan um, actually what I'd love for our listeners to understand is what are some of the challenges uh, that 
you experienced in the early days with growing a, a virtual team? Um, I mean, there were lots of challenges, but no really insurmountable challenges early on. Like it was pretty easy. We, we found it quite easy to find people. I've got a, a process up on my site where we document exactly what we do. I don't know if you've seen that, but if you Google a WordPress, uh, WP Curve Word, uh, hiring developers, then I had this process, process locked down. It was pretty solid for finding developers. So it wasn't too hard for me to find people. I had a couple of good guys already and they were really good at referring other people to us. And then we'd have a trial process where we'd pay people for a trial and we'd sort of weed out the ones that didn't know what they were doing and, and get the ones that were good. Um, and all of that, that's all public up on our site, that, that post and the process we use. So all of that was, I found pretty straightforward. Um, the issues, like the challenges that have been the hard ones to solve came later when, when we just had lots of clients and lots of people. Like that's like five or ten people, you know, we didn't really need a team leader. We were just kind of chatting, I think, initially in Skype and eventually we, we moved to Slack probably, I don't know, very early on when Slack came out, probably a year, a year and a half ago maybe. Um, and that helped things a lot. But eventually we got to the size where we needed team leaders. So Alex had to employ someone in that role. We still don't have one in Australia where the biggest team is. So, so that's an ongoing issue. Um, and the team performance, you know, we've had some people really not perform very well. Some, some people, um, you know, act fraudulently and have to be removed. And we've had those kind of issues happen, you know, since we started getting a lot bigger but for the first year or so I think we we're probably only up to about 10 people and all that was pretty manageable. Did you have Dan any because one of the issues and the challenges that people and this is this is you know all over the internet on chat rooms and entrepreneurs talking about this issue particularly with Filipino uh, virtual teams is the constant drama you know the, the lack of attention to detail the constant sort of personal issues that come in that impact work and stuff like that so you know parents getting sick, going into hospital, everyone seems to be rushed to hospital all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one I've heard that a million times. But how did you deal with that sort of thing? I'm sure you were getting the same issues because this is something that's quite common. Yeah, I mean, there's a few ways we, we deal with it. One is um, we have pretty high expectations. Like, like we have a trial process where people have to turn up on time. They have to do the certain work and they have to do it well. And, you know, if they don't do that and, they, you know, they don't get a second chance on that. So that's... That, that weeds out a lot of people. We expect people, for the most part, to be online during normal work hours, to be live chatting with us via Slack when we need them, to be communicating with the rest of the team. If they don't do that, if they kind of go disappearing MIA all the time, which, which has happened to yeah. some staff, then, then they're not suitable for us. Like, like I, that's the way I manage people. I need, to, I need them there to chat with me when I need them. Um, so, so if they don't do that, then their alarm bells are ringing and, and, and we sort of exit them eventually, I think. Um, but at the same time, we're flexible. So, yeah. I mean, we have our, our best guys, you know, like, like Andrew's just had, had something that he needs to be away f- from work for and, you know, that's, that's fine. That's all completely normal and accepted. And, you know, we give them benefits that they don't get elsewhere and, and we're flexible with you know, people, you know, obviously if they've got family troubles or if they've got blackouts, you know, we've got a, we've got a bit of flexibility around that. We've also got processes for that, like with blackouts or brownouts, they, they call them. Um, we have the capacity to give people back up 3G dongles or we let them work at cafes or we pay for their co-working or in some cases we've bought them generators. Like Andrew's got a generator because he's a, a really important employee and he's got to back up 3G and we pay for all of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's this solutions to all these problems. I think the the team stuff got a lot trickier as we got up to sort of 30, 40 people and we had to build systems around like how good are these team members, how quickly are they doing the jobs, how do we actually measure how good they are? Like is it from customer satisfaction or the amount of jobs they do or the amount of jobs they refer to other developers because they can't do? These are like all things that are ongoing challenges for us that we've had to build our own systems to solve. So um, they're not all solved yet but but they're all, they're all solvable. Yeah. Oh, the, the other part of it is... If you're hiring people for, you know, a fifth or a tenth of what you're paying someone in Australia or the US, then there's a certain amount of flexibility you can have just from a pure financial basis where, you know, even if, even if they do have a lot of public holidays and they do have a bit of time off work, it's still financially more sensible as long as they're not completely taking the piss. Yes. And it's a lot more sensible to hire those people than it is to hire someone locally. So if they're doing, you know, the equivalent job and, and with the equivalent attitude. So... Um, I think a combination of all those different things is, is probably how we manage it. And then um, just, you know, again, something that a lot of, you know, I definitely know my clients and a lot of the listeners will actually be um, suffering from is a, an inability to, to accept in some instances that systems and tools are sort of vitally important to making this work. So I'm really interested to hear, first of all, your thoughts on, on systems, tools, processes, and setting them up properly, and maybe what are the sort of ones that you just couldn't do without? Well, I mean, if they're thinking that, then then they're either not an entrepreneur and they should go back to work, or they're, <laughs> they're not an entrepreneur yet and they should just learn to listen and do some research. So there's not really any other scenario where that I can think of where you're not, you don't think systems and processes and tools are important, but you do want to run your own business or run your own team. There's not really any room for any flexibility around that. Yeah. So um, what tools do we use? We have – I'm pretty good at writing processes. I'm, I like doing it um, because I've been working with Filipinos for a long time um, and some of, some of them are amazing. Uh, so, I mean like anyone, like any staff over here, like, it's like some staff are amazing. Some just need so much hand-holding and you add in the language barrier on top of that and also a little bit of cultural differences – Yes. about, you know, work ethic and, and you know, the high-quality attention to detail. Like you need to get really, really good at writing processes. So my main go-to for this kind of thing is a, a combination between Google Docs, Trello and Zapier. And so what I'll do is, as an example, I've got a, a virtual assistant that manages my Instagram account. Um, on Monday, I'll have a, an automated job from Zapier that creates a task in Trello, assigns him the task and the task is create, generate 50 ideas for the week for posting on Instagram. And that task will link to a Google Doc where I've written out all of the, all of the information in that Google Doc um, about what he has to do to generate the ideas. And every time he asks me a question, I don't answer it directly. I go into the Google Doc, update the Google Doc, and ask him to read the Google Doc again. And by the time he's answered, asked, or, or every time he makes a mistake, same thing. So yeah. between that and the constant communication with Slack, um, a, a Slack, I don't know if I mentioned Slack. Slack's the other absolutely yeah. crucial tool we use. So um, that's, that's a messaging that's app. Just for people who don't know what Slack is or are not familiar yet. So Slack is a, is a cloud chat system that you can use with your teams. Would that be right? Yeah, and it's a lot more than that. It's, it's um, you know, we have... I, I don't want to explain it. Just go and use it. Yeah. <laughs> just use it. It's great. Just use it. And um, don't if you're using Skype to chat with your team, don't use that. Get them on Slack. You can add docs in there. You can add files in there. You can 
if you're bored, you can do forward slash Giphy and put a word in and find a an, an, uh, random animated GIF, which would either be funny or really rude, depending on what <laughs> settings you have. Um, it's really cool. You can have channels. Um, you can have groups. You can have Different automation teams. in there. Yeah. So like when when a customer signs up with us, it goes into a channel in Slack. So every day we can just get a really simple uh, list of, um, you know, who signed up the day before. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, we can't live without Slack. So that's, yeah, that's a huge one. But between... Uh, so Zapier does the automation. Trello is the task list. Google Docs is for the process where you can both manage docs at a time. So in summary, if you're using tasks on your computer, swap to Trello. If you're using any kind of manual work to create tasks, swap to Zapier. If you're using Skype, swap to Slack. If you're using Words, swap to Google Docs. So what I'm hearing here, two really loud messages here. The tools that are out there are you absolutely have to get on board with them if you're running virtual teams. And number two is if, you know, systems and processes are not your thing, then you're probably not going to succeed. Because yeah, and I've already told you exactly how to do it and exactly what tools to use and all those tools are free, so there's no excuses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so many people try and get away. I mean, Matt, I know you see this as well. People want to get away from creating processes because it is boring. I mean, I like it. But well, it's not boring. What's boring I, is doing the same thing twice. There's nothing more boring than doing the same job twice. Exactly. Writing a process to prevent yourself from doing the same job pr twice is the opposite of boring. It's smart. Yeah. It's extremely smart. And I, I'm so glad you said that, Dan, because it's uh, certainly I know one of the things that, that I'm a big believer in and teach. Um, just, to, just to follow on from, from that, how much time do you spend training your teams uh, to use the systems? Like, Does it take long to get a, get a new staff member up, up and running in the systems? No. Um, um, so, sorry, I've just, I got a bit sidetracked because I just remembered I've got a blog post on this exact topic. I'll paste it in the chat here. You guys can, um, yes, yeah, we'll put if it you want to link it up in the notes or whatever, you can do that. Or maybe you've got content on it. But that just describes exactly how to use Zapier and Trello to automate tasks. Um, so, our, our systems are, are very simple. We've, we've got our own help desk system. I mean, Slack, we actually have, WP Curve has a guide to using Slack. I can, I can give you the link to that as well. That's on our blog. But, but Slack is so easy to use. I mean, unless you haven't used software before, it's, it's not going to – once you actually set it up, um, it's not going to be difficult for your team to figure out how to use it. Here's the guide to using Slack. So this is – oh, yeah. So one thing about me, every time I talk about anything, I've got a blog post for it. So Graceful. I should have warned you about that. So, so, uh, so not so much the actual software, but actually the yep. stand, doing it the way that you want it done because uh, the software they can learn – but I'm yeah. sure that there's systems around that that, that are uh, specific to your company. Yeah, we ha so we have a, a combination of things. We, have, we, we teach them the software. We teach them our software, which is specific to our company. Um, we have a Google Doc, which, which, which tells them about how to use all that stuff. And we, we, have, we associate a team member with them, team leader with them on their first day so they can talk to someone about that and get up to speed. So all of that stuff is done that way. And the, in terms of expectations... We have, again, mainly Google Docs. I think we're playing around with the idea of having a wiki or something at the moment. But to me, just having everything in Google is a really big benefit that like another piece of software would have to be really good to use instead. But um, we have like a, a doc that says this is – actually, we have a bunch of docs. A bunch of docs that they have to, to read as their first thing they do on day one. Um, one of them is like expectations and – you know, what being a developer at WP Curve is all about and then the details of how we manage clients, how we do jobs, the procedures for doing specific types of jobs and how to use the system, all of that stuff. Um, they don't work on client jobs uh, straight away and they don't work on difficult jobs 
for a couple of days or weeks once they've done a few simple jobs like site reviews and once they're up to speed that that they sort of pass through that onboarding process and and become a, a proper team member and then eventually they might become a senior developer if they achieve certain targets and and you know get paid more and and be allocated um, more exciting projects and are sites that are, that are more critical for more critical customers and higher level customers fantastic i mean i think that um well thank you for such a detailed summary because i think that's a uh, I love the whole having the induction phase and also uh, escalating them as their experience or as they earn the, the 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 ability to have more interesting work and the like, which which I'm sure gives them something to strive for as well. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, like we don't know these people when they're signing up, so they need to prove themselves. A two-hour trial um, is a good start, and that that proves themselves enough to be given a chance at a position, but to to, to give them access to client sites and to, you know, let them, you know, code on on a, a someone's website, not just review it. Then they need to prove themselves that they know what they're doing and and that they they they've got the right standards and and they're available and all those things before they get that opportunity. Yeah, Fantastic. that's trustworthy as well, I suppose. It's building. Yeah, up. I mean, we've got systems for that too. Like they don't get they don't get full access. We've we've, we've built our own system where. Um, if they're working on one client's website, they'll get access to that one website, but they won't get access to all websites. So there's a bit of technology around that that we needed to build to make sure we got security there. Mm-hmm. So just to sort of wrap things up, because I think we've got a lot of really great tips there, but what if we were to sort of wrap this up into what are your top, I guess your top three tips uh, in summary for getting success with virtual teams now that you've been through this whole process yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't really actually talked about the managing opportunities either, which is, I mean, perhaps that's another episode. You might be able to get Alex back if you can convince him to go on a podcast, which is hard work. But, yeah, well, um, maybe give us your insight quickly now. I mean, managing, I think, is one of the hardest parts. Yeah, so, so we have, I mean, processes is the answer, really. Like, yeah. we've got processes for absolutely everything. You know, if, if a staff member isn't performing, we've got a system we use to document that. We've got a process with, with you know, communication that we use to, to make sure they're up to speed we've got if if they go below certain quality scores then you know their stuff gets reviewed and we've got a process for that if if it's looking like they're not going to work out and we need to get rid of them then we've got a process for that um we, we've got every week we've, we have an automated process for our admin team to look at our quality score and our response time and go into the management channel in slack and fill us all in on what's going on um so between having a process knowing that you need a process, having team leaders to actually be the first port of call for the, for the staff to talk to rather than the co-founders, otherwise we'd never get any work done. Yeah. Um, and having the systems, all of which are free virtually, um, is probably is more or less how we go about solving most of these problems. Yeah, so I guess really when we look, like what I'm hearing here is top three tips is, is uh, obviously – processes to within an inch of your life because you need a process for everything you really really do in-depth processes use the tools they are out there and then in terms of management you know it's an ongoing process there as well so it's not just like get someone in train them up and off you go it actually never stops really does it yeah and you need to you need to think and you need to factor these costs in as well i mean if you're a new business i don't know what your audience is like but the one thing i have in my first book is just this idea of like what does your business look like at a certain scale and if like if you look at your business with say 200 monthly customers 
how much is it going to cost to support all those customers? And at that point, do you need team leaders to manage your team? How much do those team leaders cost? Do those team lead- leaders need to be US-based or Australian-based, in which case they're going to cost you five times as much? Mm-hmm. Um, factor all those costs in because this could end up being a lot more expensive than, than you originally thought. So that's important if people in your audience are new businesses. Yeah. Uh, well, some of them are. Yeah. And I mean, actually, Matt, this is something you're big on. I mean, this is something Matt actually got me, an exercise he got me to do was thinking about, well, what does this company look like in two years' time? And therefore, what does the org chart look like? And how do we move towards that? Rather than just this constant, like, oh, I need another person. Oh, no, I need another person. Yeah. Thinking ahead. Well, the, the, Matt, the other thing about that is um, the, the biggest mistake people make is they say yes to too much. Like, they do too many things. So, so in our case, like, even with a 1,000 customers, we still really only employ two types of people. We've got team leaders, we've got admin people, and we've got developers. And that's all we've got because that's um, that's the that's all the work we do. We don't do any other kind of work. And if you're starting a business and you're like, oh, I'm going to create help people with their websites, then before long, people customers are going to ask you for SEO and for AdWords and for social media and for WordPress fixes and for design. Like at some point, you need to define what you're going to do. If you say yes to all these things, then you're going to just end up employing all these people. The whole thing's going to be a mess. You're not going to be making any money. And, and this is exactly what I did in my first business, which is why I, I try to get people now to think about like what's one thing you can do and, and multiply that by a thousand rather than uh, finding, you know, a thousand clients that want one, uh, something different each time and having to build that complexity into a business somehow, which doesn't work and is extremely expensive even if it did work. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Matt, any anything any, um, just to finish before we finish up? Um, I, look, I, Dan, I, I just want to thank you, but more, most importantly because everything that you've said is is amazing and, and simple. And I, I really um, I just want to uh, reiterate everything that Dan's talking about today is that um, the systems that you need, the processes, the management – this, this is the same whether you have a physical business or a virtual team. Uh, and what Dan has amazing, uh, done amazingly well is taken what happens in a bricks and mortar business and, and built this amazing virtual business with people all around the world. But the underlying fundamentals are exactly the same. Would you, would you agree, Dan? Yeah, and I, and I think the – like I talk – most of my content I put out there is for people that are trying to start a business or they've got a really new business. And um, I think – like a lot of people struggle with this idea of like if I build this business in this way that is proceduralized and, you know, I've got systems for everything and it's scalable and I'm going to build, you know, like a really in inverted commas big business, then it's going to be much harder for me to manage and I'm going to be stressed out and working all the time. In fact, I found the opposite is true. Like I found with my agency, um, I was working all the time and I was stressed out the whole time because I, because it, because it was fundamentally unprofitable. This business is 10 times the size, but I do much, much, much less work on this business and I can leave for weeks and the thing keeps running. And so if people have that mindset where they think, I don't want to build a big business and I mean, don't even call it a big business. I don't want to build a good business is what you should be saying. And if you tell yourself, I don't want to build a good business, then you're a crazy person. So I think, I think, think about like, if you want to build something that is scalable and systemized, then it's going to be a better business. It's going to be an easier business than it will be if you build something where you're just saying yes to everything and scrambling the whole time trying to make money. 
Yeah, and not figuring out how to delegate because obviously, you know, if you build something with lots of systems that is scalable, you, you're you're going to need. It's very very few that will need no people to help run it. Well, you, you need to, what, so what I say about delegation is you should be delegating everything, even if you're good at it. I think, and I hear a lot of people I, saying, like, delegate what you're not good at, which I think is rubbish because the point of delegation is not to find people to do things, you know, that are better than you. The, the point is for you to build a business that can scale. And you, you can't build a business that can scale where you do any of the work. So I, I, think, you should be de- I think you should be delegating everything. And whether, whether or not you're... I mean, there's always going to be a period where you need to do stuff yourself if you're starting literally from zero. But the goal should be to eventually delegate everything and for your work to be um, stuff, something you love doing that you probably don't have to do. That's ideal. And that's, that's the situation I think I'm in where I can do th- things like these podcast interviews that we don't really have to do. But I love putting this content out. In the last year, I've written two books. I've presented around the world. I've started a brewery. I've done a whole bunch of other stuff that I would never would have been able to do if I didn't have a business that, that was fundamentally, you know, scale, I was able to scale and proceduralize. Um, so I think, and, and people, people say like, sorry, I'm going to rant here, but like it annoys me because pe- people say like, oh, you know, I'm not very good at delegating. Well, then, then you're not very good at being an entrepreneur and you either don't be an entrepreneur or you just live your life not being good at something or you get good at it. So you got to stop saying things like that. I'm so glad that you said that because honestly, I think it's time that somebody actually comes out and says it like it is because that's what you just said there. You know, if you're not willing to actually invest time in creating systems, in training your teams and getting the right people in place to run the systems that you've created, then go and work for someone else because actually that's what being an entrepreneur is about. Yeah. And if you're a good employee, come and work for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Dan, listen, thank you so much because this this topic, honestly, I know Matt and I have talked about this a lot, and it, it, it is actually as people are struggling with this out there, and there I we needed to what I felt was I actually need to get more people uh talking about this issue and talking about success. And Matt and I just have talked about this to the nth degree, to actually show people and for them to hear it from multiple different people the same thing about how to get success with this. It's actually not hard. It's that you're not listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well I, well, I mean, it's also a bit of a mindset thing. Like I, I've, been, I've been doing this for quite a while now. I've been following Chris Ducker and James Shramko, who I've become really good friends with over the years. I've been following those guys for years, learning about outsourcing in the Philippines. And Dan Andrews, another guy I've been following, um, who started like a multi-million dollar business building physical products, traveling around the world. Um, so you start listening to a lot of this sort of content and, and enough of it for our work weeks, another one, um, you listen to enough of that type of content and it really starts to rub off. So, I mean, yeah. definitely keep putting the content out there and eventually it's, it's definitely going to have an impact because it's, it's, you know, that, that kind of stuff's had a huge impact on me. Yeah. Dan, thank you so much. This has been yes. a really awesome interview. Thank you. Dan. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. And we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with more virtual success. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.